Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. A huge thank you to Austin there. Now we're going to turn our attention a little bit further afield. Blockchains that have been turning many heads over the years. Can you guess what it is? We're talking Tezos. Here to share some insights are the co-creators, Kathleen and Arthur Breitman. And followed by that will be a panel discussion with Tezos developers moderated by Tezos Commons Corey Show. Hello, Arthur. I think you're on mute. That's correct. Hello. <laughs> try again. That's what happens when I'm not around. Um, yes. Great. So this is, I guess, meant as a fireside chat, but obviously it's a little bit more intimate uh, than usual because um, usually you don't interview your spouse when you're doing one of these things. Um, but we'll try our best to not make too many inside jokes with one another. Um, so yeah, I mean, just, you know, Arthur, um, Pezos, uh, obviously, like the main network was launched in 2018. Uh, we're going on a few years of development. Um, what are you most proud of over the last few years? Um, and uh, and yeah, I'll leave it with that. Um, I would say that the, uh, the the overall the smoothness of the network it's a network that's been running and interrupted for uh, the past few years, and the smoothness of the upgrades. Um, you know, uh, the, the whole um, idea of Tezos was to have a network that could be governed by um, its uh, its holders and be able to incorporate. Uh, um, changes through amendments so um, get better over time um, by votes and you know it was just an idea for for the longest time and uh, there was a lot of theoretical objection to governance and to a large extent the the thesis of Tezos have been completely validated um, there's not a single new blockchain project uh, or smart contract that doesn't talk today about governance uh, and yeah we've been able you know to do it and have very high levels of participation so you know routinely we have quorums uh, around 60 percent uh, uh, of participation with uh, super majorities of 80% for adoption. So we have a very engaged community and um, that's been able to uh, uh, to upgrade the chain by uh, uh, by doing by doing the thing. So that's that's one thing I'm very, very proud of on the uh, you know on the core side. And more recently, I think, um, and this is more of a phenomenon that started in, in spring of um, 2021, tons of adoption of the chain, um, specifically in the art world. And seeing just in a while people finding the chain and being able to use it for their projects. That's that's a fantastic feeling. Yeah, and um, you know you're a council member of the Tezos Foundation, which has done a number of um, sponsorships in the F1 space and you know other other sports, um, I guess, initiatives. Uh, can you explain like the thesis behind that? Because it's a little bit of um, a departure from what it historically has done. Um, yeah. So uh, without getting too too deep into the strategy, because I, I think there's uh, some 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 interesting <laughs> angle in there. But uh, the general idea is that first it, it, it it gives some brand awareness and brand exposure. Um, you have the logos on the car, of course. You know, people can see the logo. People can learn about uh, the project, which is useful. You know, in, 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 a, um, in a day and age where there's a ton of competing blockchains, uh, many options for people who want to build uh, on different protocols, and having the validation of being used by large brands like McLaren or Red Bull Racing, or you know, simply just uh, brand exposure, knowing about the project, I think is quite. Uh, um, is quite useful. Um, the second thing is that it's also a technical partnership, so it brings more assets to the uh, Tezos chain. One thing we've seen uh, Ethereum succeed at uh, uh, in the DeFi space um, has been having many assets. So if you wanted to build uh, decentralized uh, DEXs so that people can trade on a blockchain instead of trading on some centralized exchange, you want to have the assets. It's also why uh, blockchains, for example, like um, 
um, Binance Smart Chain have had some success because they have all the wrapped assets from Binance. So having the assets is a competitive advantage. And Tezos is building a competitive advantage in having uh, premium NFT assets, you know, from premium brands, from artists. So that's the second, um, second thing that it achieves. Uh, and the third one is um, there's also a whole network of um, corporate sponsors to this uh, uh, to these F1 uh, races, um, which uh, creates inter uh, interesting introductions and inter interesting synergies between the different partners. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of fruits um, that come out of this that are not necessarily obvious when you don't uh, look at it closely. But I think these partnerships are tremendous. Yeah. Um, no, it's completely fair. And, uh, you know, to your point, there's been an increase in the smart contract calls on Tesla over the last year. Um, to that end, like, what are the solutions that you're thinking of for scaling um, to, you know, support a lot more transactions, hopefully in the future? Yeah, we had exponential growth in the number of smart contract calls. Uh, and I like to monitor smart contract calls as opposed to just uh, transaction, because I would say today, blockchains are um, not used too frequently for, 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 for large volume uh, payments. Um, so smart contract call is really usage, you know, you know, it's not like people sending to an exchange or back from an exchange. It's not related to, um, um, to trading activities. It's exactly like people using the chain. Uh, and yeah, they've been growing like what 30 or 50% months over months on average, uh, over, you know, uh, over the past year, um, close to that. So it's been tremendous growth, which is great. Um, and Tezos does have, I would say, uh, you know, larger throughput than, um, all the blockchains, for example, like Ethereum, but it's also never, you know, it was never built as a, um, very high throughput blockchain because the number one uh, goal of the design of, of Tezos was to stay and remain very, very decentralized. Now, other chains are making this trade-off of wanting to be more centralized while having much higher throughput. The approach uh, for, for Tezos has always been uh, to focus on layer two scaling solutions. And I think that's been completely validated because we are seeing now a lot of, um, uh, a lot of projects converge on um, a very, very similar design in terms of scaling, which is scaling via rollups. Um, there's an article that I wrote in 2017 about why I thought it was a good idea to eschew uh, sharding as a technique and instead focus on um, an approach which is net, which which has since then been rebranded as uh, um, as ZK rollup. And um, there's a company, Starkware, which has been quite successful with Starknet, um, building something of the sort. So um, a lot of these thesis has been validated. I think that there's a narrower version of sharding that makes sense, which is data availability sharding, as opposed to execution sharding, which is far more uh, which is far more complex and doesn't really give you a whole lot of benefits. Um, so, are there mere is there a mere mortal layman way of explaining that to people, or is that too uh, is that yeah, too, uh, yeah, <laughs> too sorry, yeah. I like I like to get into weeds. Uh, yeah, I know. It's very most comfortable. So, yeah. um, I would say. You need you need some technological changes for chains to scale. If you look, for example, at um, trash collection in a city, uh, if you double the number of trucks, you're going to collect about twice the amount of trash. Not 100 percent true, right? At some point, your, your your streets are just like completely filled with trash collection trucks, and it doesn't work. But to a large extent, you know, more trash collection trucks, more trash being collected. Um, right now, on a blockchain network, if you add more nodes, if you add more participants, you get more decentralized, but you don't get more throughput. You know, adding more computers does not equal to more transactions per second. You want to move to a model where the more computers you have in your network, the more transactions you can process. And um, that's one of the things I'm, uh, I'm working on on the Tesla side. Uh, and I think today there's a clear path to getting there that wasn't really uh, there a few years ago.
Yeah, no, fair enough. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone on the who's watching this will will um, be surprised, but I'm your wife, right? Um, and obviously, I'm your biggest fan. Um, there's some stuff we that you've called. Yes. Well, most days, right now, I am. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, you know, basically you've called some things in the past few years and I think you've been validated, um, you know, tenfold by most of your bold predictions. Like you've done a really good job of that. Um, what's something that you think now that most people would disagree with that you think they'll agree with in the future? Oh, that's a good, uh, that's a good question. Um, it depends who, uh, you know, there's a okay. lot of things. <laughs> All right, um, smarter. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you some counterintuitive things. Everyone thinks that building utility in NFT is very important. And then the future of NFTs is to unlock utility. And I think in some sense, um, you can decrease the value of an NFT by adding utility to it. Uh, is that um, because like complexity makes it less engaging for the user? Like what, what's the thesis there? Because it makes it less pure. Imagine you have a, 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 a piece of art, you know, that has value. Imagine you have a piece of art that also lets you dry your best towels. And it, it's less, you know, it's less valuable. Now we're not talking about this, but you know, of course, no, no one's suggesting something like this. But in some sense, I, you know, there's a purity that happens when you don't have any utility, when you're just like a piece of digital art, and if somehow you let it do something. I think it kind of actually like takes away from it. And everyone, you know, is saying like, no, 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 it's all going to be about the, you know, like and utility of NFT. And I, I, I don't say it. I think people are overly bullish about uh, the whole metaverse thing, specifically when it involves uh, uh, 3D vision. I think people still believe in sharded execution. I think that's that's wrong. Um, there's still a lot of proponents for just like massive, you know, massive just launching uh, scaling at Solana. I don't. I also don't think that's the right approach. Mm -hmm. um, well, wait, wait, so that's a that's a controversial statement. Why do you think that? Because um, basically, with a rollup, you get the same benefits and none of the drawbacks. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, what I've noticed is there's like some sort of uh, there's a fallacy that a lot of people commit when they analyze the space, which is like. Oh, there must be a trade-off um, if if you're proposing a new technical solution. And sometimes it's just better is better, right? Um, uh, and and so like, is there a is there a? I know I have an example of that. Is there an example of that that you um, believe to be true other than the roll-ups uh, one that you I just mean, mentioned? I mean, the obvious one is proof of stake. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, other thing people are wrong off. I mean, you know. Uh, that, that that there's something absolutely magical into uh, play to earn or uh, 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 or, uh, or, or or like DeFi. Well, know, now you're getting like, my goat, so um, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I was saying <laughs> there's a lot of soft leadership tweets, and you know, there was one the other day that says like, "Oh my God, it just like changes everything because now the customers, or the marketers, and like, yeah, that's called MLM, and it's very old." Um, so you <laughs> MLM, know, you mean multi-level marketing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So are, are people going to play games in the future that are going to involve NFT? Yes. Will some people actually make money playing those games? Absolutely. Will the amount of money, will the money that they make come primarily from being first and then selling to the people coming after? No. Or, you know, yeah. maybe there'll be some gambling application like this, but it's not a new paradigm. And, you know, when people say, oh my God, you know, like 12 year olds now will make hundreds of thousands of dollars that's going to change everything. No, that's just, you know, no. Well, it sounds frightening <laughs> for parents first and foremost, but um, <laughs> uh, I, awesome. I, I, yeah, I, I tend to, I, well, I'll, I tend to agree with you, um, and I think that's I think that's probably remarkably true. Um, fair enough, fair enough. Um, you know, I guess uh, I, I'll I'll be able to fact check you on this since we do live together. Um, but like, what keeps you up at night um, with respect to the space? With respect to, I mean, if you want to get into Tesla specific examples, you obviously can. But um, like, obviously, the drawback of doing open source uh, development is that you know you're kind of putting out your your uh, 
uh, you're exposing a lot of things to the world. Um, you know, I'm sure it's very stressful on a, on a few axes, but um, what's something that you, you worry about most often? Well, I think, yeah, you know, you, you probably know that one of my mediocre superpowers is sleep. Um, I am able to sleep. I'm able to, I am, yeah, yeah, I'm able to sleep on command anytime, anywhere. So, <laughs> I, not much is keeping me up. Uh, but the, the, the thing that you know, like, are constantly in my head is like um, being able to scale fast enough, like being able mm -hmm. to get really, really quickly to a position where we scale. I think both for strategic reasons, being one of the first to really scale uh, would be uh, would be tremendous for Tezos, but also just like from pragmatic reason because of the increasing usage of the chain. I think it's important to uh, it's quite important to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's, um, I would say that's a big, uh, uh, that's a big factor. That's that, that's a big thing that I am constantly thinking about. And I think that um, one of our, uh, you know, common common gripes is that, you know, uh, we have some accomplishments uh, that that have been earned through the Tezos ecosystem that we think uh, are a little bit underrated. Um, yeah. What would what would what is something that people discount uh, too much when they, you know, look at Tezos as a project? Um, and uh, and why do you think that? Oh my God! I think what the discount is. Um, the level of dysfunction and 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 how um, disrupting uh, not you know, not right? <laughs> no, 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 no. How, how disruptive litigation was for the past for the past couple of years. I think you know a lot of people look at what happened in the Tesis ecosystem from 2018 to 2020, uh, and it's like, oh well, you know, nothing much happened in Tesis, and they, and they just don't understand, uh, uh, and they just don't understand, you know, like the the chaos. Uh, that that we went through, um, and I, so I think you know people judging Tezos on the basis of like what had you know like what what went on during like 2018 2020 are are completely missing uh, 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 missing the forest for the tree like it's it's um, uh, it's staggering. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's still within that time. There were several upgrades. I mean, it's certainly not something to to um, discount. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but it's uh, it's done. You know? It's something that was hurting adoption. It's something that you know, like people, people. It, it's something that made people think in uh, in order to uh, to use a chain. That's a problem. Um, well, I mean, I, one could also argue that um, the entire crypto space went through a bit of a winter at that time. So, um, you know, certainly like adoption for everyone um, picked up basically in twenty twenty. Um, so, y you know, that that I would push back a little bit and say like. Okay, obviously, I, I I know firsthand that um, litigation was a big pain in the ass, um, but certainly, like you know, there was there, there was a lot of other stuff in the cryptocurrency space that was um, hindering adoption at the scale that we see today. Um, sure, I know absolutely. Um, I see one, one thing I get a lot of compliments on, um, which I'm very proud of in the Tezos ecosystem, um, is the um, I guess uh, I guess the um, status of developer tooling, um, which has obviously gotten much, much better over the last uh, year and a half or so. Um, and yep. I think that's also as much as anything related to NFTs contributed to adoption. Um, and so I know that, you know, pretty much uh, a lot of the actors in the in the cryptocurrency space and also in the Tezos ecosystem in particular. Um, is there anything with developer tooling that you're looking towards? Um, what's the what's the promise there? Yeah, so the developer tooling has gotten tremendously better, I would say, over the past you know year, year and a half. Uh, so, well, actually, you know, even I would say two years. So um, that's been absolutely great. One of the promises of using a high-level language uh, as a base language um, for the chain, like Mikkelsen, is formal verification and better security. But you do need tooling for that. So we've deployed some tooling for formal verification, uh, Michelcar, for example. So, so some contracts have been formally verified, but you want tooling that is uh, really um, that any smart contract developer is able to use. And there's some uh, projects uh, in the work one called Takiria, for example, um, 
and a few uh, and a few others to really try to integrate verification tool, not just for more verification, but other techniques like mutation testing, for example, static analysis directly in the environment where developers work, so that they can have um, these guarantees directly uh, uh, directly in their ID as a as a program. And so, um, I think that's uh, uh, that's a big thing. The level of indexers also has uh, has improved tremendously. Whenever you know people build applications, very often they will need to index data from the chain. Um, there's now several indexers, which uh, like um, application-specific indexers that are available. Uh, so that's a big one. And also, you know, there's a bit of a flywheel here because the more projects that are actually building on Tezos, the more usable feedback we get in terms of you know what developer tools are needed. Where are the pain points? It's a lot easier to fix your pain points when you know, someone is saying, ouch. You know where they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, one uh, one popular trend uh, for smart contract platforms that will launch after Tezos is to basically use the EVM pretty heavily. Um, obviously, there hasn't been that big of a push uh, within the Tezos ecosystem to do this. Uh, can you explain a little bit like the thesis behind that, if there is one um, on your behalf um, for not, you know, instigating a project like that? And, um, you know, if you do have anything to criticize of that strategy, like, you know, this might be a time to air it. Um, but I might, so a lot, a lot of, you know, so, so Tezos is a chain that was um, developed at the same time that Ethereum was being developed. So, you know, it's never, you know, it, it, it's a completely independent. Uh, Codebase, it was not based off of uh, Ethereum. A lot of blockchain that have launched later have essentially been, you know, forks or of, 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 of Ethereum and generally just use uh, Git. So, for example, if you're looking at Binance Smart Chain, you know, they take the Ethereum SDK and then they put Git on it and voila. Um, you have a uh, you have a uh, you have a uh, uh, a, a, a new blockchain <laughs> chain with which which yeah. is just yes and you know you or you can slap a consensus algorithm another a new consensus on, uh, you slap a new consensus algorithm on uh, on on top of guess and you throw some money at it and voila new blockchain so right. there's a lot of these projects uh, Tezos is not one of those yeah there's, but, a, lot, but, there's so, a lot of benefits to it um, basically it means that every project that was built on Ethereum can be copy pasted on uh, on these other networks and it cannot be copy pasted. So if you're looking for adoption, uh, I think you know it, it, it can be tough because for developers they might say, well, you know, I might as well move, you know, copy my code base uh, onto these other chains. Why would I completely rewrite it in a different language just for just for Tezos? So that's a um, that's a limitation, but it also means that people who choose Tezos have uh, you know a stronger commitment to the chain. It's uh, a lot less opportunistic, which is thing is uh, which I think is good. Uh, I do think some form of EVM support can be uh, can be useful. One thing which is um, often suggested is compiling down EVM to Mikkelsen uh, or compiling Solidity to Mikkelsen. The data types are slightly different, so you you know there are some projects that that do this, but you can't do it in a in, in a reliable way. Um, so that's not really uh, that's not really an option. The other option is you know since uh, generic optimistic rollups are being built at the protocol level for Tezos, to have one of those optimistic rollups support uh, EVM as a legacy environment. Um. Fair enough. Uh, so I know you mentioned something that's kind of one of your bugbears, um, which is that you know every time someone comes up with a new consensus algorithm, they launch another blockchain. Um, and like you know, in principle, like you know, we should embrace this because the whole ethos around Tezos is adopting the best technologies that are available um, and leveraging all of this different research and this movement in other um, parts of the ecosystem. What what's an example of an innovation that you've seen recently? Um, maybe over the last year or so that you would like to adopt into the Tesla ecosystem because it's innovative in its own right and technically a pioneer. Sure, so innovative at the protocol level or innovative at, um, at the um, smart Could be level. either. I would be more interested yeah. in the protocol level. 
Mm, probably level. So you know, again, I'm a I'm a huge fan of uh, of uh, optimistic roll up with and and there's different flavor of it. I think the flavor that you know built by the type of optimistic roll up built, for example, by Arbitrum um, is much stronger than the type of optimistic roll up built by Optimism. Um, preserve uh, decentralization better. So optimistic roll up, I'm quite quite uh, bullish upon. And um, other innovation at the protocol level, um, we. There's been some convergence, I think, um, in in terms of the um, in terms of the different techniques which are used for uh, uh, for getting consensus. Data availability sharding is a uh, is a good one. I like the data availability sharding approach that they're taking in Serum 2.0. Um, and then there's like some fancy stuff at the protocol level that no one's really done, but I've seen discussed in paper, um, um, such as you know doing like global time lock encryption for the whole chain. Uh, there would be a long explanation, but that's like, that would be a neat feature that no one has really uh, uh, managed to build at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, and then on, uh, um, on the smart contract side, there's been a ton of innovation in, um, in, in, it's kind of like there's two DeFi. There's one part of it, which is like this amazing new financial primitives, uh, which, you know, like quants uh, are, 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 who come from traditional finance are coming up with. And you know, if you're looking at the output of Dave White, for example, at Barrynam or, or Dan Robinson uses these fantastic things. And then you have the others which are like, oh, we're gonna print a bunch of tokens and like farm it. And like, oh my God, you know, people are getting rich. It's surely some certainly some new economics have been invented. Uh, and you know, the first kind is amazing. And uh, I'm really hoping to see more of that on, uh, on Tezos. Yeah, you and me both. Um, yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> um, and I think I know the answer to this, but like maybe for the sake of the audience here, um, I know who you talk to and who you enjoy um, discussing the space with. Um, other than yours truly, of course, who are your favorite thinkers in uh, the cryptocurrency space? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I, I, I name uh, I named Dan Robinson. I really like. Uh, I, I, I really like Nolan Robinson and David Robinson for that matter. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, I also quite uh, I enjoy talking to uh, Taron Shitra. I like uh, Zaki Mannion. You know, I enjoy reading. Uh, oh, of course, you know, like Vitalik Buterin. Uh, I enjoy his uh, his writing. Uh, who else do I? Uh, uh, who else do I like? In, uh, in, uh, there's, a bunch of, there's a bunch of people. I don't I don't want to give away Alpha. But... <laughs> I don't think you would because it all sounds like pretty prominent people are there. So. <laughs> Um, I don't think that's like really your secret sauce, but it's not who I'm naming, it's who I'm not naming. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right. You're taking the Tilian view of this. Uh, mm -hmm. Fair enough. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I know that you also read a lot of other things outside of the cryptocurrency space. Um, you know, you're sort of a helpless nerd. I, I don't know what to do about it. But um, are there any sort of external influences other than, you know, pure economics and, um, you know, computer science uh, thinkers who you, you find inspiration from? Um, I wouldn't say directly. I mean, probably, but I don't. I, I don't. You know, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't think of it this way. I try to grab as much information as I can and and and, and read a variety of things. And I, I guess I don't do the attribution in my head systematically unless I really, uh, I really try to think about it. Um, well, and for what it's worth, I do think you're very generous when you do actually like explicitly want to cite something or um, you know contribute to it. Because I, because I do think about it, but <laughs> on top of my head, like this, it's uh, I would yeah. say. It's a, little, um, it's a little difficult. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, yeah, and I guess um, you know, I think one of the um, one of the one of the virtues of the Tezos uh, project, you know, the prevailing one, the one that everyone knows about, um, is that it is it is a bit more grassroots and a bit more organic um, than a lot of the other projects that have come to the fore of the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, do you? 
do you think it's a virtue of of the ecosystem in general? Um, you know, obviously this is meant to be a uh, sort of digital polity in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. You know, what what has been the most surprising aspect of that? Um, and uh, you know, do you do you you know think that this was a good conscious choice to basically try to try to make this um, as organic as humanly possible in terms of uh, you know uh, creating an ecosystem? Uh, yeah, we said you know like to to summarize, I would say uh, short term weakness, long term strengths. Yeah. Um, you know, you uh, governance is a is a very long term investment. You know, in the, in the stability and, uh, and 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 robustness of the network, you can go a lot faster uh, by skewing it. But I think you lose. You know, you, you, you miss out in the long run in that in, in having the thing. It's always tempting to be centralized and, and move faster because you centralize. And I think so far, uh, we've seen relatively. There's been like relatively few. Uh, Downsides have been very centralized uh, in terms of success in the markets or or, or in uh, or in adoption. Um, that's that's what's been demonstrated. But it's kind of like you know buying an insurance policy, and if you're buying an insurance policy and you pay the premium to your insurance policy for the longest time period, you're like an idiot paying a premium and you're not getting anything. And someone who's not getting you know insured is not paying the premium, uh, and then your house burns down, and then you're happy that's uh, or a pandemic happens. Yeah, or a pandemic happens. So you know it's 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 one of the strategy which um, where um, you have this like rare payoffs once in a while and constant cost you know yeah so yeah that's and that's I'll, ask a, I'll ask a tough question just to close out because I think we're running out of time um, so basically the Tesla's position paper talks a lot about you know basically uh, cr creating an environment where um, you know technical upgrades can be ratified um, and it really has an emphasis on um, creating the 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 less the, the greatest and best um, version of of what's researched out there. Um, do you think that the emphasis on technical upgrades um, has been overstated or like, what do you think is, is kind of the strength of uh, focusing on that in the long run? I mean, I think in the long run, the technical upgrades stop. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, the need for technical upgrade was that the, the project was, you know, the, the, the space, sorry, was, was still in an early research phase. A lot of people were coming up with new ideas and you need the flexible flexibility to be both decentralized and adopt those new ideas. So it's very important to have governance. The longer, you know, the more time passes, the more you can converge on a uh, on, on a mechanism that just works. And you might say, well, in the long run, you know, especially if you have, you know, if you can move between different side chains or different rollups who, who each have their own protocol or rules, you might say, well, what's left of governance? And if, if you if you like narrow it down to one thing, it's about essentially issuance. Uh, and so. Mm -hmm. Right now, the issuance um, is being used primarily to fund uh, securities. There's a tiny portion of it, which is also uh, been used in a thing called liquidity baking um, to fund a liquidity pool on uh, on chain. But there's other things, you know, there's other commons you can uh, uh, you can fund, and ultimately, yes, the governance becomes just about the issuance and less so about um, technical upgrades. Yeah, no, completely fair. And I think you've said you know essences of that in other interviews, but I think this is like a good explicit you know um, mm. clarification of it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think we're both really excited for NFTs um, in general. And and I, for one, like think that, you know, kind of um, formalizing some some versions of fandom is really great. Um, there's been a big emphasis on STOs in the past in Tezos. Like, uh, do you think that that's still like a good use case? Um, how would you defend that now, uh, knowing what we do about the way that cryptocurrencies are used in 2021? No, absolutely. I think um, uh, I think STOs are going to, I think STOs are not, Currently, as interesting as it could be, but I think um, they're building a bedrock for something that is going to be very interesting. And I think they are interesting when they start composing with other smart contracts. You know, there's a there's basically a spectrum of STOs. Uh, on the one hand of the spectrum, you have some people who say, "Oh, well, you know, I'm a transfer agent, and I will hash 
the cap table and I would put the hash of cacheable on a, on a blockchain. Okay, that means nothing. Uh, and on the uh, other side of the spectrum, you're going to say, like, I'm going to have a bear share company in the Marshall Islands who will own shares in the Panama uh, Foundation, who will be the recipient of a uh, trust in Cook Islands. And yeah, <laughs> and, and, and you can have these tokens. So yeah. uh, there's basically a trade off between, you know, how uh, I would say traditional and vanilla the uh, legal structure is and how flexible the ability to uh, use the tokens on chain are. Um, but there are several uh, evolving legal frameworks which um, are making this easier. In particular, there's an interesting legal framework in Switzerland for, for that. Um, there's also, I would say, technologies for whitelisting addresses on chain, which um, can allow the interaction uh, of this. So there's a protocol called Realty. They're on Ethereum, unfortunately. Um, but they do tokenize for now. For, yeah, yeah, for now, for now. They yeah. tokenize real estate, and I think they use a, uh, a constant product type uh, market maker like Uniswap uh, to do the token, but only to the uh, registered participant. So this type of interaction between smart contracts and SEOs, that's where I think it gets potentially very interesting. But you need a bit of a critical mass. I think for a single issuer, it can be interesting to have an, uh, an SEO, but where it gets really interesting is when you start building network effects and have large amounts uh, of these assets who are on similar standards who can interact with each other uh, yeah. and take part in lending protocol. And a part of and a part of what you've mentioned is effectively like you know also jurisdictions wising up to recognizing these things as assets that can be transferred on a chain, so on and so forth. Um, yeah. say. So um, I, I, it does seem to be like one of those where you have to wait and see what sort of regulatory environment emerges in certain jurisdictions as well to make it more interesting. So um, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, I think we're out of time, and um, you know, there's there's plenty of other awesome Tezos developers coming up next. So um, hopefully, they'll uh, you know continue to uh, talk about all the awesome things happening on the chain. So thanks, Arthur. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye bye.